Thank you so much for downloading another service from First Presbyterian Church of LaGrange. If you are listening to our podcast version of these services, uh, it's fun to note that this is podcast number 201. We've had over 200 uh, podcast versions of our worship service in the sanctuary of the First Presbyterian Church of LaGrange. Uh, this is Pastor Jonathan Krogh. I don't know if it is a function of the fact that 201 was an unfortunate number, uh, but for whatever reason, we ended up with no recording of the service itself to share with you. So for both the website and the podcast version of our service, um, I am just going to share with you the scripture lessons and the sermon and express my uh, sadness on your behalf that you didn't hear the fabulous choral music uh, and the prayers and the shared children's sermon as part of our worship time together. Um, I guess as they say, you had to be there. And uh, you can be there this coming Sunday at 10 a.m., 150 South Ashland in LaGrange, Illinois. Our Hebrew scripture lesson was from the 60th chapter of the prophet Isaiah, the first six verses, a fabulous text on which to begin a year. Arise, shine, for your light has come. And the glory of the Lord has risen upon you, for darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples. But the Lord will arise upon you, and his glory will appear over you. Nations shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your dawn. Lift up your eyes and look around. They all gather together. They come to you. Your sons shall come from far away, and your daughters shall be carried in their nurses' arms. Then you shall see and be radiant. Your heart shall thrill and rejoice because the abundance of the sea shall be brought to you. The wealth of the nations shall come to you. A multitude of camels shall come to you, the young camels of Midian and Aphah. All those from Sheba shall come. They shall bring gold and frankincense and shall proclaim the praise of the Lord. The notion of a multitude of camels coming to you, uh, perhaps a more modern version of that would be your parking lots are going to be completely full. We celebrated Epiphany on the 7th of January. The 6th is, of course, the Feast of Epiphany, but we decided to stretch it into the next day so that we could celebrate on a Sunday and be able to have that wonderful passage that comes from the second chapter of the Gospel according to Matthew, the first twelve verses, the traditional epiphany story, the visit of the Magi. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judah, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem asking, Where is the child who has been born King of the Jews? For we observed his star in the east and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened, and all Jerusalem with him. And calling together all the chief priests and scribes of the peoples, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem, in Judea. For so it has been written by the prophet, And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod strictly called, secretly called for the Magi, and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. 
And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go, and search diligently for the child. And when you found him, bring me word, so that I may also go and pay him homage. When they had heard the king, they set out, and there ahead of them went the star that they had seen in the east, until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage, and opening their treasure chests, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. Let's just pray together for a moment before we continue. Loving God, we thank you for your light which came into the world that we in our darkness might discover love and grace. Allow us to hear your word, and in hearing your word, to be able to do your will and shine forth your light into a world that is in darkness. To the glory of Christ. Amen. It's an old joke, and you've probably heard it before. The guy is standing out near the sidewalk in the dark one evening, looking around to the ground for something. And his neighbor, who's walking by, asks if he can help. The guy cries out, I dropped my keys. The neighbor begins to get down on his knees and look around for his keys. And feeling around in the grass, after some time, he, he says, are, are you sure this is where you dropped them? No, said the first guy. I dropped them actually over there by my car, but it would be a lot easier to look here because the light is so much better. I wish I'd thought of that joke earlier in the week when I was picking out hymns for this morning, or I would have selected hymn number 152. Hymn 152 of the Glory to God hymnal. What star is this with beams so bright? This particular epiphany hymn reads... What star is this with beams so bright, more lovely than the noonday light? Tis sent to announce a newborn king, glad tidings to our, of our God to bring. Tis now fulfilled what God decreed, from Jacob shall a star proceed, and lo, the eastern sages stand to read in heaven the Lord's command. While outward signs the star displays, an inward light the Lord conveys, and urges them with tender might to seek the giver of the light. Isn't that great? The historic star found by the eastern sages, seeking the skies to follow as the Lord commands. An outward light triggering within them an inward response, urging them to, as verse 3 says, seek the giver of the light. But that's not the kicker. The reason why I wanted to look at this hymn is verse 4. O Jesus, while the star of grace impels us on to seek thy face, let not our slothful hearts refuse the guidance of thy light to use. Let not our slothful hearts refuse. Isn't that a great phrase? Slothful hearts. And you know, that, that's why we got to sing old hymns, because it makes your mouth say words that you wouldn't otherwise try. It just happens to be the next phrase to sing about our slothful heart. Isn't that great? There's a guy looking for his keys. Not where they were lost, but where it was going to be much easier to look. 
And of course, when I say sloth, you think sloth, right? That animal in, in the zoo. Whether it's a three-toed or the four-toed or the two-toed variety, they're named. They were named by the Portuguese uh, for after one of the seven deadly sins: the sin of sloth, lethargy, slowness of action. Uh, not because the Portuguese thought the animal was sinful; they just thought that they were perfect illustrations of what it means to not really move with much energy. Kind of feel bad for the creatures named for a sin. Uh, imagine, imagine waking up some morning and, and, and you're, you're named Gluttony. I'm going to call you Gluttony. They're named Sloths. Maybe we should start a fund for them. Start a cause. Save the sloth defamation. Anyway, it all leads to what I hope is a sticky point for your hearts this morning. Something you're going to take home and it's going to mull around in your head and it's going to work on you until you can come up with some sense of what it means to address your slothful heart. Because I guarantee if your heart is slothful, it will be hard for you to find much of anything worth following. We live among lots of people who are counting on your having a slothful heart. This past Christmas, I bought my wife a sweater, and I was actually far enough ahead of the game that I was able to order it and have it delivered without having to pay expedited shipping. But having bought the sweater online, guess what? My news feed and my homepage constantly has little pictures of. That's right, more sweaters for my wife. I was generous once. They want to make it really easy for me to be generous again. Just one click away from repeating my generosity. Evidently, Danny needs dozens and dozens of sweaters, and they want to make it as easy as possible for me to part with my money. They're making money off of the plans that I am going to be a little slothful and find the simplest way. There was a paper published in King's College in London, November. Published was published in no November of uh, 22 by Claire Burchill and Peter Knight. Um, it's just been recently that the journalists have picked up on their finding, uh, but uh, this is an interesting piece. They found that individuals who believed they had done their own research, you know the phrase, do your own research? Individuals who said, I did my own research online, were 19% more likely to believe fake news and conspiracy theories. There was something about discovering something that wasn't in the mainstream press that they found somewhere else on the web that made it to them a little bit more believable, even when it was demonstrably not true. Now, doing your own research, that, that's the opposite of being a sloth, right? It shows diligence, it's tenacity, kind of stick-to-itiveness that should be admirable. I dug deep into the web for, you know, 20 minutes, and now I really know the truth that you don't know because you didn't know where I studied. Except interpreting science or medicine, engineering, history, without taking the long way around to finish, I don't know, a degree, taking years to learn how to do real research in the field, um, like being able to work in a lab or, or function in an archive. Without the benefit of any real understanding, you conclude that you found what nobody else, after just a few hours online, when in reality that just is the lazy way to get there, rather than 
the long, hard-working way. Verse 2 from our little hymn, And lo, the eastern sages stand to read in heaven the Lord's command. It's important to remember that these sages, these wise ones from the east, are never portrayed as amateurs. Harold, his priests and scribes, on the other hand, they're the sloths in the story. They just quote something that they read somewhere, and they sit in the dark and wait for the magi to do all the legwork. That's the thing about a slothful heart. It's content to sit in the dark. In fact, if we're feeling a little overwhelmed or in the dark in the first place, this first Sunday of the year, this Sunday of Epiphany, if we sense that we have lost something, I suggest it's because our hearts have grown a little slothful. Great, I hear you say. Today the pastor told me that I'm depressed because I'm lazy. Well, if that's what you want to hear, I guess that's what you're going to hear. But, but know this. If you're not finding what you're looking for, you may just have to move a little bit so that you can look someplace else. So you can find what you've maybe lost. But it's going to take a little bit of moving, like the wise ones from the East found, what they had been seeking after waiting and searching. In Matthew 2.10, it says, When they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with great joy. They not only saw the light, but we celebrate Epiphany because they left bearing the light. The prophet Isaiah, the first text that we read this morning, had an interesting take. Arise, for your light is come. Glorious passage of the 60th chapter. Note that he says in verse 5, You shall see and be radiant. Your heart shall thrill and rejoice. If you go to the zoo to look at the sloths, I'm pretty sure that it won't be too long and you'll be moving on to see something else, right? They're really not interesting over time. Look, he's moving. Well, uh, sort of moving. Well, no, I guess I guess he's not moving. Slothful hearts are not really all that attractive. Herod's slothful heart meant he never left the palace. The sages came from the east, thinking he might be interested in what they found, perhaps joining them on their journey of joy. Nope, the sloth just sat and waited, thinking stuff would come his way. Let's just observe that the slothful heart became a disappointed heart. And in Kerhard's case, his disappointed heart became an angry heart, a raging heart, a violent heart. But it started with a slothful heart. There's so much more we could say this morning about seeking and finding, about asking and receiving, about knocking and entering. But I'll just close with the words that were penned in the 16th century Latin poem by Charles Coffin, translated in the 19th century by John Chandler. Oh Jesus, while the star of grace impels us on to seek thy face, let not our slothful hearts refuse guidance of thy light to use. Amen. Amen.